What is good, everybody? Welcome to Bench Chatter, the Common Man's NBA podcast. I'm your host, Colin, here with my co-host, Noah. Noah, how's it going? It's a beautiful Wednesday night. Yeah, not so beautiful Wednesday night, honestly. It's pretty shitty outside. Um, the Pacers just got 20-balled by the Bucks. Not feeling too good, honestly. What's wrong with getting 20-balled? I like, I like 20s. I like balls. You know? Sue me. So, yeah, we were on the wrong end of that 20-ball, though. I think Giannis had a triple-double through three quarters. Yeah, I uh, I had some Chris Middleton in, in DFS today, so I, I haven't paid attention too closely, but I'm thinking that was a good decision. All three holidays were on the court, though. That was pretty cool. That's pretty fun. I like that. I like that. Oh, Chris Middleton didn't even... Okay, Chris Middleton actually kind of shot the bed for... For what I paid for him, like twenty five fantasy points. That's yeah, cool. I I honestly bet he didn't even have to play that much. Honestly, they were they had the uh, bench squad in for basically the whole fourth quarter. Yeah, I was a little bit nervous about that, but I thought that they I thought Sabonis might lock Giannis up, and for that reason they would have to go to Middleton. But you know, you guys are just trash, and you can't guard Giannis. Whatever. No, Miles My, Turner was guarding Giannis, not Sabonis. Sabonis guarded. Brooke Lopez. Is that usually how that goes? Yeah. I mean, Miles can uh, defend people on the perimeter better than Sabonis can. Fair enough, fair enough. I don't know why in my head. Like, I know that Miles is known for his defense, but in my head I, I just thought that it would be Sabonis on him. It's a good point, though. So even more so, why didn't Miles lock him up? Um, Giannis is Giannis, like, honestly. Like, yeah, Giannis is Giannis. I don't mean to kick you while you're down. That sucks. It is. Uh, I got some snow on the ground here, so my when I say it's beautiful, I meant it. Other than that, you, you're cooking. Uh, I'm here. Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. Um, I had Steph Curry drop 81 fantasy points for me last night, so I'm That's destroying decent. Mr. Schultz. I caught a bit of that game. He uh, he is the the Warriors' offense. There's no two ways about it. Draymond yeah. can't shoot for shit, dude. He does everything I, else really nice, though. I think if they have James Wiseman in that game, they win. They were really... Kevon Looney got hurt in that game, too. So we were seeing a lot of Draymond at five. And it's just, like, mm-hmm. not the most, like, preferable thing right now for the Warriors, honestly. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, is kind of crazy, because the Warriors, like, made them... They like made themselves on running that Draymond at the five, but now it's kind of like not that good of a thing to do, honestly. No, I mean, I don't want to get into it too much, but you think we're seeing a bit of a revolution in the big man with him beating Jokic, leading most people's MVP race at this point. Obviously, that's there's some gray area, and, and you can feel how you feel about that, but. Embiid and Jokic are having some of the best seasons across the NBA. I personally have both of them at the top of my MVP lists. You know, are we seeing we're going back a little bit in in how we view the center position? Yeah, I kind of I kind of love it too. Like, uh, I feel like centers, you know, in the mid two thousands and early twenty tens, um, you kind of just went for the same center on every team. You know, just a huge guy that would um. That would only sit right under the rim. He would block shots and he would dunk the ball. And now we just see these centers who are so skilled. It's like, it's beautiful to watch, honestly, how guys this big can be like so 
have so much finesse in their game too. Yeah, it's crazy. I think it's the Joakim Noah effect. I mean, we all remember him being the first big man to step out and really have the mid-range game with that knuckleball of a jump shot and just, it was deadly. I'm sure if you were to interview Nikola Jokic right now, he would say he developed his jumper because of Joakim Noah and the way he played. Yeah, definitely. But all jokes aside, all jokes aside, I do really enjoy it because there is something about the small ball that just, it, it didn't sit right with me, especially when the Rockets traded Capella last year. It just, that's not what I want to see the NBA. I don't want to see everybody that's, Everybody having to be between like six two and six eight, otherwise you're just not viable. And maybe not just between six two and six eight, because obviously you have the Ben Simmons esque point guards, but guys that that can't play. And I think we're seeing that still. The Dwight Howards of the world can't play every single lineup, you know. But yeah. I think as these younger centers start to come up and they can pass the ball, they can step out behind the arc, they can spread the floor, they can dribble a little bit, I think it makes the game just way more exciting. I mean, the sets that you can watch, the Nuggets, the Pacers, the Sixers, those sets that they run are just so much fun to watch because they're so inventive and creative. I just, I, I love it. I love it. Yeah, I feel like you could, um, I feel like you used to be able to get away with having like a bad backup center too, you know? And I, I don't think that's the case anymore. There's too many skilled big men in the league to where um, a back, a good backup center is like one of the key parts to uh, having a good bench nowadays. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason that Montrez Harrell was so valuable this offseason. The Lakers paid him, right? Yeah, they did. Good? Yeah, yeah, pretty nice. Yeah, I mean... And and they're a team without. I mean, AD's their center. I mean, do, do you call him a center? Is AD a center? Um, it's hard to determine because you know he'll finish games as center, but he's playing the majority of his minutes at power forward. Yeah. So yeah. it's kind of hard to call him a center, but I mean, I wouldn't be mad if you called him a center. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I don't think that he plays like a center, even how Jokic and Embiid played. He he just doesn't play that same style of basketball. He just is doing too much outside of the paint for him to be a true center. But yeah, I think it's a lot of fun. I don't even know how we got on this topic, but let's get into some weekly winners and losers because I want to get to tonight's segment. I'm pretty amped about it. So let's just let's knock out these winners and losers and then just roll up the sleeves and get into tonight's debate. Yeah. So my first winner of the week, um it's kind of a soft winner of the week. The other two are hard winners of the week, but um it's the Brooklyn Nets, which you know could be controversial how some people view the Nets, but um they're now 14 and 9. They capped off that record with a big win last night, um, 124 to 120 over the Clippers. Um, they have an offensive rating column of 124 right now, which would be the highest of all time if the season ended right now. But they also have a defensive rating of 119, which would also be the highest of all time if the season ended right now. <laughs> but uh, their first and effective field goal percentage right now, which is... um. Pretty crazy to think with the guys they have on their team, you know, with the high volume shooters they have in Kyrie Harden and KD, that they can still shoot this amazing um, field goal percentage. But Mm -hmm. the one stat that really, um, like, 
outshines the other. Is they're nine and three versus above five hundred teams now, but they're four and six against teams below five hundred. So that kind of tells me that they play up to their competition. You know, they they have this mindset that they're playing the Clippers last night, and they know that they're going to have to defend a little. And I think when they play these bad teams like um, like the Wizards, who beat them the other night, um, I don't think they. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're that worried about the Wizards because they know they could beat the Wizards purely on offense. So they're not like hunkering down and wanting to play defense. But when they're playing someone with the talent of the Clippers, you know, they know that they're going to have to lock in that night on defense, which is really interesting. I, I want to see them go hard against every team, really, and not have to rely on just outscoring every team. Yeah. Because when playoff time comes, they are going to have to lock in. So they might as well start trying now. But, um... Mm-hmm. What's been the most impressive is Harden has taken the role of kind of being the orchestrator of the offense. Like, you know, in Houston, we saw Harden taking like 25 plus shots every game. Um, But now he's kind of content with taking around 15 to 20, um, getting Kyrie. Like Kyrie's taken the most shots since the Harden trade out of all three of them. And Katie's taken the second most. But Harden's leading the team in assists since the trade. So I'm glad that Harden's taking the role of like being the floor general out there and getting um, Kyrie and KD um, their shots. And then at the end of the game, they don't even have to question who's getting the ball. Like if they need a shot, they're going to KD. And I think it's a really good team dynamic. Yeah, because you know when the trade first happened, um, we were kind of having questions. You know, um, who would be taking the most shots? Who would be who would be having the higher usage rate? Who would take the last shot at the end of the game? But They've kind of got that all figured out, so it's kind of nice. No, it is. I did we talk about this yet? I saw. I think I saw it on TikTok. The idea that the the Nets knew that they wanted to keep KD and Kyrie, and they still wanted to get Harden, and so it was like, okay, how can we pull this off? Because any suitor is gonna want Kyrie, and it's like, well, if we just tank. Kyrie's trade value altogether, then we could bring Harden in. Because, I mean, he went off. Like, he just dropped off the map, and it was all like, we don't know where he is. There's all these media reports. Like, I, the media obviously does not phase Kyrie. Do you think there's a legitimate chance that it was just the absolute chess move of the century to just say, Kyrie, go take two weeks off? We're not going to hear from you. You're going to get some media buzz, but we're going to get hard in here. We're going to win a championship. I honestly hadn't heard that, but listening to you tell me that, it does kind of seem like right? like the Nets were galaxy raining that, but I also don't think they were trading Kyrie in any trade. You know, like Katie no. and Kyrie linked up for a reason. They both wanted to play for each other. And, but honestly, that kind of makes sense. Right. <laughs> Because he came back and everything was fine. Like, like no drama at all. He came back and, and Harden was posting on IG before Kyrie officially came back and was like, because they like didn't win or maybe they won. And he was like, whatever, like we got the win or the loss and we didn't even have Kyrie tonight. Like it's like once the fam gets together, like we're going to be rocking. And clearly Harden Kyrie just by, you know, the nature of that reading into that have a decent re- enough relationship that he's going to post something about that, that. Kyrie is coming back you know you just you start to think about it and you go uh, you know maybe maybe I could see it yeah what I really liked um at the end of the game um you know the Nets are gonna okay I actually have a question Colin 
Um, so the Nets were like up. They were up like three to four points basically at the end of the game the whole time. And they were fouling the entire time because um, they were already in the bonus to not even let the Clippers shoot a three. Um, how do you, do you like that strategy? Just not even letting them attempt a three and making them hit their free throws? Yeah, no, I, I think it's a really smart strategy, actually, especially when there are guys on the floor who you know are not good free throw shooters. You do the math on it, and I think, you know, it, it depends on, excuse me, when you st- start to foul, but it should work out. The math does work out, and if you can be efficient, too, in hitting your free throws and wasting the clock, then... It works, and I know that there are a lot of people out there that really don't like it. They say play basketball, but it's the way the rules are set up. It's a good strategy. The free throw line has been a part of the game since the game was invented. Stand up, hit your free throws, you can win the game. I I don't see it any other way than that. What I thought was really interesting, um, at the end of the game, the Nets can really throw it in to anyone they want. Um, you know, at the end of the game, they had Kyrie, Harden, KD, Joe Harris, and Jeff Green in the game. And Kyrie shoots 94% on the year. James Harden shooting 89% on the year. KD shooting 87% on the year. And um, Jeff Green shooting 83 But Joe Harris is shooting 61% on the year, but I don't think he's attempted that many. And we know he's a good shooter, so he can probably hit his yeah. free throws. And they have so many guys. The Clippers had so many guys to worry about that they just left Jeff Green open on the other half of the floor because they're so focused on denying all of these really good free throw shooters. So they should be able to close out most games when they're just in these free throw contests too, Mm -hmm. which is really interesting. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Interesting enough, Joe Harris is a career 77% free throw shooter. Interesting. Well, yeah, up there, but yeah, I mean... There's never been a season where he's attempted more than two free throws a game. So okay. it's not like he's getting to the line that all that much. And this year, he's he's attempting a half free throw a game. So. Yeah, he was the one inbounding the ball, too. So mm-hmm. they have their worst guy yeah. inbounding the ball, which is fine. Alrighty. Shout out, Nets. Winners of the week. Alrighty. Who else? I, I can talk about the our first individual to be a winner of the week. It's Fred Van Vliet. I mean, come on, man. That was exciting. That was fun as hell to watch. There's something about Fred putting up 52 that just... 52 or 54? 54. 54. That's just... It's it's insane. I mean, I think we've talked about Fred and his come up from Wichita State and just the grind that he had to go through, but... I love it. I mean, the Raptors it's, have definitely had their, their downs this year, but him balling out, just shooting lights out from the entire goddamn foot. Didn't miss a free throw. 11 of 14 from three. It, it's just, it's insane. It's uh, just a really good feel good. It's a really good feel good story, too, because, you know, mm-hmm. um, during the offseason, he signed a four year, $85 million contract, which was the biggest ever for an undrafted free agent. And, you know, myself, um, I even questioned if he was worth that much money. But I think it's undoubtedly true that he is. Um, Yeah, yeah. he dropped 54 points on the Magic, the most ever by an undrafted player. He beat DeRozan's single-game point record. 
He was 17 of 23 from the field, and he he added three rebounds, two assists, three steals, and three blocks in that game. And that was good enough to get him a 93-point fantasy game. Yeah, the uh, the three blocks is actually what stands out to me as the most remarkable part of this stat line for a man that stands at six foot one in shoes with lifts. Yeah, most of his points too were scored um, like in the rhythm and in the flow of their offense. Um, like they weren't really like looking for him to like break this record. You know, he just happened to be the guy open and he was hitting his shots. And they also took him out with 248 left in the game. Um, he was he was 1-3 shy of beating um, Daniel Marshall's single game uh, three-pointers made for the Raptors. And he was three oh, he was three um, threes away from tying Clay's all-time record of 14 threes made in a game. So I really wish they would have left him in, honestly, to um, try and beat those yeah. records. But, you know, they're not... The Raptors are more worried about trying to win a championship, not about... Um, getting Fred Van Vliet those records. Yeah. But, yeah, um... Just, uh, hold on, I want to remind people that Clay hit 14 threes in three quarters. He did not yeah, play the first that game. <laughs> he also, uh, um... He claimed the record for most three-pointers made in any half in Raptors history with eight. Um, he surpassed Danny Green and Terrence Ross, who each had seven and a quarter. And I got a little trivia for you, Colin. So, oh, now Fred yeah. Van Vliet... Um, single game point leader for the Raptors in their history with 54. Demar is second with 52. Do you think you could guess the next three guys? Uh, are they three different individuals? Yeah. Okay. Um, I would have to assume that Tracy McGrady is one of those individuals. No. But a guy who did play with Tracy McGrady is one of his uh, third. Vince Carter. Yep, Vince is third with 51, and then fourth is someone tied, uh, who also got 51. Um, uh, I would have to guess that Kyle Lowry has had a game a game where he's gone off, right? I, I feel like I remember him scoring in the 40s once upon a time. It is not Kyle Lowry. It's a guy it's who's still in the Kyle league. Lowry. Still in the league, but not on the Raptors. Still in the league, not on the Raptors. Is Jose Calderon in, in the league still? No. Okay. It's a guy yeah, who you just remember. It's a guy who you think that has like a flamethrower, you know? Like when he's hot, he's hot. He's a microwave. When he's hot, he's hot, he's a microwave. Hmm. I gotta think. I... Give me a hint. Is it like a, a guy who was a, a role player in the last five yeah. years? Or was he... He's made his career off being a bench scorer. Oh, 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 wait, hold on. Oh, wait, 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 is Siakam in there? No. Okay. I don't know. You got to give it to me. I'm going to sit here. Mr. Terrence Ross with 51 for the Raptors. Wow. Okay, okay. It would have taken me a minute before I got to Terrence Ross. That, okay, I see that, I see that. What year did he do it? Um, I don't have that written down, but I do remember him going off. But, uh, okay, if you didn't get that guy, I don't think you're going to get the next guy, but the next guy honestly makes me feel really good, and that is Charlie Villanueva, who's dropped what? 48 in a game for the Raptors. Win. 
win. That I no, there was no way I was ever gonna get that. If you ask, I only remember him uh, playing for the Pistons. I don't even that remember bald head. Yeah, he did it in two thousand and six. He was a rookie, dropping forty eight. Oh my god! Yeah, good for him, dude. Good for him. Would never have guessed. Uh, yeah, like I said, I didn't know he played for for the Raptors back in 05-06. I remember him in the Pistons uniform. Huh. Alrighty, that was fun trivia. I like that. I like that. I'll pass it on. Alrighty, um, last winner of the week. Go quick, because I, I want to get to this segment. Uh, y- you like the Houston Rockets. You think they're a winner is what I'm hearing? Yeah, I do. Um, so they're 10-9 and nine right now, um, mm-hmm. but they're on a six-game winning streak since the Harden trade. And they've actually been the best team defensively since the Harden trade, which is honestly shocking when I heard that. Kind of insane. Um, overall, they have the second best defensive rating in the league this year. Um, Christian Wood averaging 22 points, 11 rebounds. John Wall's averaging 17 points, 3 rebounds, 7 assists. Um, Oladipo's averaging 19 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists. Eric Gordon's averaging 20 points on 40% three-point shooting, and Boogie Cousins is averaging 13 points, 10 rebounds, uh, four assists on also 40% three-point shooting. And I'm honestly just happy that they're good. You know, like, I'm happy that these guys who effectively have been quit on in their careers, you know, Christian Wood, he had to have a big come-up. Um, it took him a while to get started in the league. You know, the Wizards gave up on John Wall after his injury. Um, all the depots been tossed around the league a couple of times. I don't think anyone believed in DeMarcus Cousins to be putting up what he is now. And it's just a really good feel-good story, you know? I'm glad to see they're doing well. And they're honestly like, um, they could be a formidable team. And, like, I wouldn't want to play the Rockets in, like, a 1-8-2-7 kind of matchup, you know? No, not at all. Not at all. Especially if you allow, like, a, a DeMarcus Cousins to come back get healthy. Christian Wood continue to develop into a all-star-esque player. Let Vic get healthy. Let John Wall figure it out. I mean, that's a formidable roster. And then you guys, you have guys on that team, Eric Gordon, P.J. Tucker, who've gone the distance, well, not the distance, but have been competitive and been on championship-caliber teams before. You know, it's a winning culture. There's no doubt about that. But, yeah, I'd like, I'd like to see them do something. And I think people thought they were going to be, like, ass, you know? Like, people after Harden got traded, I think they thought they were going to be awful, like, out of the playoff race. But um, they're going to cement themselves as um, one of these teams that wants to get into the playoffs, and I kind of love it. Honestly, I'm rooting for them. Yeah. No, me too. I I would jump on a, a Rockets bandwagon of sorts. You know, not, not my favorite team in the West necessarily, but definitely a team that come playoff time, I would be rooting for in a seven-game series. Yeah. Christian Wood really reminds me of AD Loki. Like, he plays like AD a lot. He may not have, be the defensive player AD is, but he is silky smooth out on the court for how big he is. He moves so well, and he's just got those long arms. Not, not KD Slim Reaper arms, but... It's similar, yeah. No, he's got the AD build. There's something about his game. No, it's it's very smooth. He's very gentle with the ball. He's got such nice touch. I mean, if there's one thing I can say after having watched a decent amount of college basketball this year, it's for a big man like that to have the touch he does is 
It's very rare. It is it is not easy to come by. Yeah. Alrighty, we have we have one loser this week. It's the Dallas Mavericks because they can't win a goddamn game. Uh, other than tonight. Before that, they could not win a goddamn game. Uh, prior to tonight, they'd been two and nine in their last eleven. That's kind of disgusting for a team that was almost a six hundred winning percentage last year. Uh, eight and thirteen right now. I Lucas playing. He's playing like an MVP. Other than the fact that MVPs are on winning teams, you know. He's putting up, I don't want to call him empty stats, because clearly in games they win, he's a driving force. But that supporting cast on the Mavs just is not it. I think they've got Luka and they've got Kristaps, and then it kind of ends there, in my opinion. How yeah. Do you about that <clears throat> uh, last year, you know, um, last year the Mavs had the number one offensive rating in the league. Um, and they were, like, breaking records every night with how high their offensive rating was going. Um, and that kind of, like, that kind of made up for how bad they were defensively. But this year, their offensive rating is at their 20th in the league in offensive rating and 18th in the league for defensive rating. And that does, like, that does reflect on what their record is right now. Like, since their offense isn't this crazy, like, historically good offense, um, their defense isn't good enough to just win them games. So they really got to figure something out. Um, I don't know if that's through coaching. I don't know if that's through picking someone up. But if they want to make the playoffs, they're going to have to start playing good soon. You know, like a team like the Rockets, they're ten and nine right now, and yeah. the Rockets would they would give the Mavs a run for their money if they met them in the playoffs right now. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, they would. And yeah, the supporting cast just like it's not it. Tim Hardaway being your third highest scorer. Um, Josh Richardson's have kind of has had kind of a disappointing year. Um, their bench is honestly just lacking depth, and I think they're just kind of blinded by how good Luca was. And they're yeah, they got to make some trades. They got to do something to get him some help. Yeah, yeah, it's tough stuff right now. But you know, a, a week can turn it around. I think I've heard that they are active in the trade markets right now. I think it's kind of tough to know what that's looking like um i don't know who's going to be sellers and if there are sellers what you can get we know the pistons are going to be sellers we know the Cavs have been sellers but i don't think that they're turning anything else over this year maybe drummond but i don't think that that's your solve so i don't know who they go out and get right now that solves these issues you know yeah, a guy that like comes to mind would be Bradley Beal. But when you think of what um what these other teams like maybe the Heat or the Nuggets have to offer in terms of um trade packages for Bradley Beal, like the Nuggets could offer Michael Porter Jr. in picks, the Heat could offer Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson in picks. And the Mavs just don't really have that to offer, you know? They don't have that young promising guy that they could trade to get a all-star like Bradley Beal. So I couldn't really see them making a move like that. Um, they just need role players. They they really need to get off these bad contracts. Like Tim Hardaway's contract is absolutely atrocious. Um, they had guys like James Johnson, Willie Colley Stein on the team. They're just like not it. Um, I actually think they're missing Dwight Powell pretty badly. Um, he's still kind of coming back from injury, but last year he was actually playing really well for them. 
But yeah, they need to figure it out fast because they're a fun team to watch, but not when they're losing games like this, you know? Yeah, exactly. And to that, like, not good teams either. It's not like they're just getting beat up by the cream of the crop. Like, they're losing games that, you know, on paper you'd assume they should be winning. So yeah. that doesn't help you out either. All righty, Noah. Do you want to do you want to do your little ad read right now? You you have an ad read of sorts. Would you like to give that to the audience? Oh yeah. So um, I was talking to Colin about this, but I figured this out today. Um, it's a website called NBA Top Shot, and as you know, Colin's um, sports cards, Pokemon cards, they're kind of blowing up again. Like the the market is really high for stuff like that, and um, NBA Top Shot is a website that it's all virtual. And it's basically like a sports card market, but they sell NBA highlights. Um, the buyers don't own the highlights. The NBA does. But the fans own the limited edition numbered version of that highlight, which you can collect, trade, sell. And um, it's kind of been blowing up over these past couple weeks. Um, they're doing about a million dollars in sales every day. Um, oh my God. And a LeBron James dunk highlight just sold on their website for over $70,000. And we're talking about a highlight that anyone could go watch on YouTube. A guy just sold it for $70,000. And it's just really interesting, you know, that something like this um, could get, like, gains traction and starts getting popular. And it's like the NBA... So the NBA cuts the highlights. They own the highlights. But then this Mm -hmm. company puts these highlights into digital packs. They sell the packs. And upon buying those highlights, it goes into a buyer's like inventory. And you can get like you can get these like um coveted cards that are like part of certain sets that are worth more than just a regular highlight. And it's just something to keep an eye on, you know? It's just something weird that people are putting value to now that I kinda wanna get in on. It's just really fun, honestly. Yeah. No, I when you brought it up to me before the podcast started, I googled it and you know, my initial reaction I was like that's stupid. Like why would I why why the hell would I do that? But then I started looking at them and I started looking at the price and I was like a pack's 10 bucks. <laughs> I got 10 bucks. I could open a pack. Like I like I like opening packs. Yeah, and then I just started googling and then I was tantalized. I like it. It's an interesting concept. I still think it's stupid. I don't know. I don't I don't see the value for me personally outside of hey, I, I could bet on some rookie highlights and hope that those increase in value and that could be fun, you know. Buying some you know, I, I threw out Tyrese Maxi, Halliburton, Lamello, you know, getting some, some crazy dunks assists and just seeing what happens with them, but yeah, I don't think I'm going out and spending 10k on any LeBron highlights. Yeah, I just wanted to mention it because it was something I had no knowledge of before today, and it's just something really funny, honestly, that yeah. it's blowing up right now. And maybe you should, maybe if you're listening, you can get in on it. Open a pack, see if you can get a rare highlight, sell it for a bunch of money. Yeah, I will say they're all sold out of their packs right now, but get on in the morning. You know, figure it out. Already know. That's going to do it for this episode. We're going to work in two episodes tonight. So this is going to be the end of the Week in Review Fantasy. And we're going to move into a top 10 
all-time list that we are super jazzed for. So get ready. Stay tuned for that. Let's get it. Thanks for tuning in. See you guys.